got a big red cherry nose. Santa's got a big red cherry nose. Who laughs this way? Ho ho ho. Santa laughs this way. Ho ho ho. Ho ho ho. Cherry nose. Cap on head. Suit that's red. Special night. Here that's right. Must be Santa. Must be Santa. Must be Santa. Santa Claus. Welcome everyone to another episode of the In Real Deep podcast. I'm your host, Steve Semino, senior writer at InRealDeep.com, and with me, as always, is executive editor Andrew Johnson. Hello, Andrew. Hello, Steve. It's it's true that wherever you find love, it feels like Christmas. I have, I have a I have a bone to pick with that sentiment to a certain extent. Not a large bone, a very like reasonable, you know, tiny dog bone, but a bone nonetheless, which we will get to in very short short time as we are talking about Muppet Christmas Carol, our final Christmas episode of the season, our final holiday episode, our last December episode. Lots of joy. Christmas is tomorrow when you're listening to this episode if you downloaded it right away. It's Christmas Eve, and we are wrapping up our Christmas sort of tales with this wonderful little jaunt through Muppetville. And, of course, because we are talking Christmas, we have the one and only Christmas superstar, the December phenom, our best friend, Sam Johnson. (laughs) Hello, Sam. Hi there. It's a a bittersweet uh, podcast for me today. We've talked to each other so much though, over this last month that this, this is the per- This is a really sad. I don't know if you meant it to be this way or if we just worked into it, but this is a great ending because for all the ups and downs and back and forth we've had, this is really going to wrap it up very nicely. One of the probably, though Elf is lovely, but I think this is the most enjoyable of maybe all the Christmas movies that I've ever seen. Wow. I- I agree. It's we my don't have to, We don't have to get into that just yet. I'm just saying, for the record, this is this is regardless. It, it seems like a very difficult movie to. Uh, no one's going to war over this one, I would imagine, unless the war is some rando who thinks it's bad, and then perhaps a war is justified. Yeah, knife fight then. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Before we get too far into it, let's do our final little jaunt into more like Christmas beer, the segment that will return to being named beverage of choice in January, but we are giving it one more go around. Go watch the Christmas Chronicles with your family on on Netflix tomorrow if you want to learn what that is from. But today to celebrate the last more like Christmas beer, I am drinking an actual beer, but not a holiday beer. It is Whole Foods' $6 beer offering. It is the Goldmine Lager Beer. And it says premium in big letters, so that's how you know it's good. <laughs> and it says yeah. trademark. It only has to say trademark. It just say TM, but it says it spells out trademark, so you you can't uh, you can't uh, infringe on this one. It's six dollars. Is it like a giant or is it just expensive? No, it's six dollars. Meaning for for a six pack, it is six dollars. Oh, wow. so it's, well, it's premium I mean, price at the very least. It's the only cheap thing in Whole Foods, I guess. <laughs> Hence yeah. why I brought it home with me. So yeah. yeah. Oh well, good for you. Well. <laughs> I am. Uh, I'm going out with a bang because I. Uh, I. This is. This is. This is my favorite Christmas movie. Um, I, it used to be like kind of Home Alone, but now like this. This. This is. The, this is my favorite one. Plus, it's been such an enjoyable month. So I actually have two drinks. Um, one is a uh, Sierra Nevada, the Celebration Fresh Hop IPA, which is like for me the best uh, seasonal Christmas beer that there is. Uh, and then I also have a, a chaser here of more Bailey's salted caramel to just finish oh, things off nice at the end. <laughs> Hopefully you'll be in rare form by minute 35. I probably will be, yeah. 
That's great. Uh, AJ, I'm, I'm really just happy that you're continuing on the Bailey's train. Um, I'm drinking a, it's called a Pastry Boy. Uh, it's by uh, Mars Community Brewing Company, which is based in Chicago. But the, the, uh, you are so local this year. Probably always, but this Chicago. year for sure. <laughs> well, Chicago has the most breweries, uh, uh, I think, of any of any American city. We we just passed uh, Denver, mm-hmm. and uh, some, and I think Portland, Oregon. Um, but this one is is near and dear to my heart. Um, it's basically like drinking a Christmas cookie. Mm. Um, so it's a double milk stout with graham crackers. Cinnamon and vanilla. How do they? Is there? How do they get the graham cracker taste in there? I don't know, but you know, come to Chicago and we can sample. <laughs> We're putting you. crackers in our beer somehow, or at least the illusion of crackers. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, <laughs> wonderful flavors. Oh, that is a very Sam beer for a very Sam movie. I will say. One of my notes, Sam, is. This just—I I thought Elf was the perfect Christmas movie for you, and now I changed my mind, and I think this is the first time I saw this movie. This is so, this cannot be more up your alley. I think it is just so wonderfully happy and Christmassy. Yeah, it's—I uh, mean, it's just pitch perfect. But we'll talk about that in a second. I—I I, want to start this episode by saying a couple of things about Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> Are you airing grievances, or is this a good thing? <laughs> Uh, well, let's just let it play out. But basically, <laughs> I just want—I I just came on today and I said, like, like you know, watching this movie it put me in such a great mood. And I was thinking about AJ and this whole holiday season. He has just—I feel like he said some of the most Scroogey, Grinchy things <laughs> I've ever heard him say. Like he said last episode, he said that Christmas is about lying. <laughs> He said main, one of his main criticisms with Love Actually was that Hugh Grant thinks the world is not selfish and cynical, and he hated and he hated on Elf. I, was I like, did not hate on Elf. Okay, you you did, but it's fine. But all of that, I, I was not alone in hating on Elf. Hold on. All that. Well, Steve's made so much other progress that I'm not. <laughs> you're, you're exempting me from this speech. Because... Yes, <laughs> it's a very mild hating on Elf, Sam. I mean, come on. I know. probably, to be fair, Sam, I, I want you to continue, but I probably hated on Elf even a little more than him. I, I found the ending a little more disappointing. Regardless, continue your. Please, you know, keep giving it to Andrew. It's great. Anyway, <laughs> the the whole point is that, you know, it's darkest before the dawn. And I think it's so great that we're finishing with this movie because if AJ remains a horrible Scrooge Grinch after watching this movie, then he's beyond saving. But I don't think that that's going to happen. Well, you know this is my favorite Christmas movie. Yeah, it was easy. <laughs> and I have you zero, are his I have, brother, so I have, you have insight. I have, I have no criticisms of this movie. Yeah, so. it's a fantastic setup for me to yeah. build it into my narrative that you've been saved by Christmas now. Nothing to air, and um, I don't know what that makes Christmas Chronicles. I guess that's the Marley Brothers or whatever, or Jacob Marley. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. In this movie, it's Jacob Marley. Or well, okay, Marley. in my in my defense, okay, like th- this movie is like the standard, and actually, really. I, well, I'll get into this, but I'm a I'm a big connoisseur of a Christmas Carol. I, it's I, obviously it's the quintessential Christmas story, besides the like the Jesus one, um, uh, <laughs> the Jesus one. And I, Sam, as you know, I I I have watched probably like 
definitely more variations of a Christmas Carol than both of you and also acted in it. And uh, I've read it. I actually listened to the audiobook this month again with Tim Curry narrating, um, which is interesting because he was in Muppet Treasure Island right after this. But uh, anyway, um, it's so it, this is like the ultimate. This is this. This is what I hold. I hold everything else up to. And, um, you know, frankly, a few of the movies that we watch just don't don't live up to this 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 standard even remotely. So uh, especially like Christmas Chronicles and Love Actually. So, yeah, uh, I'm just chalking it all up to uh, you've transformed because of Christmas spirit. Mm. <laughs> we do need to build a narrative. It's, it is, you know, we don't want these to be five standalones. We want there to be a progression, a rise, and a fall. So, this, hey, he's Michael Caine. There's worse things to be, Andrew. True. True. <laughs> so let's talk about this movie. I will say I've never seen it before, and it was a real treat to watch it. I was speculating with a friend before <laughs> I saw it, and we were debating who – she had seen it, but she didn't remember who uh, Scrooge was. And I was trying to figure out if it would be – Kermit, and even though I didn't think it would really be Kermit because I couldn't see an evil Kermit, but I but yeah. I knew there was a the Kermit turning happy at the end would be a nice little twist, or a Gonzo I was suspecting maybe because Gonzo can sort of I guess be maybe be evil. It was unclear to me who it would be, but when I put it on, I saw Michael Caine. I was like, oh, it's of course it's Michael Caine. <laughs> How could it be anybody but Michael Caine? I was so happy to see such a good actor, you know, interacting with those Muppets, and and, and it made such logical sense once I saw him up there. Yeah, it's the pinnacle of every old British actor's, uh, a British male actor's career. That is 100 percent true. It's yeah, you have to play, have to play this role. And Scrooge, yeah, yeah. Scrooge. Yep. I mean, li- like literally, Patrick Stewart did it, like in a TV movie. Yeah, it's you got to, you got to be an old English guy and play this role. He wasn't even that old. I mean, I mean, he no, was yeah, old. It was not... 26 years ago, yeah. so yeah, he yeah. was downright medium at that not, point. Yeah. yeah, he was a young, young guy. Yeah. Well, so I guess I'll just I'll just dig in here. First of all, I think that um, so Christmas Carol is my favorite Christmas story, period. Uh, And I think that and I just before we got on here, I I just I I said that the degree of difficulty of of actually doing this uh, is with the Muppets, I think, is actually extremely high, which is one of the reasons I I really love this movie, because they the, the, the challenge is to um, put someone like Michael Caine in this role and then have him be surrounded by the sort of zany, crazy, sort of like hippie-esque humor of the the Muppets and then have it all work uh, without also like then bastardizing the like the original Dickens story. And um, it 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 comes off like without a hitch. Like Michael Caine commits completely to scrooge and to interacting with the muppets as if they were like real people in victorian england um and then on the flip side of it uh i think the way the 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 for there's two things one they just they have the muppets pretty much stick to the actual story with some uh, obviously some modifications and slight jaunts um uh, but uh, then they also use each of the individual muppets and what we know about each of them each of the, those characters like so perfectly. And I think you, you said it in a text to me, Steve, like they don't, they don't force anything. Like they actually don't even like you met, brought up Kermit. Kermit actually, I mean, he plays Bob Cratchit, which is, you know, I guess maybe the second biggest role other than, you know, 
the ghost of Christmas past, uh, present or ghost of Christmas past. And, um, but even Kermit almost doesn't feel like a main character really in here, which I think is just like really smart. Like he brings like the Kermit charm, uh, but it doesn't feel like it's a Kermit movie or a Miss Piggy movie or anything. It just feels like a Christmas Carol with all of those characters, and it's just it's just a perfect movie. I don't I don't know. It's just, it's just all all you'd want at this time of year. No, that's a great point. That's exactly why I thought Kermit would be Scrooge. Is I was like he should be Bob Cratchit, obviously, but that role is not in the you know the story that much. It's you know Scrooge is the whole story. So I think that's in my head is why I thought he might be Scrooge. Is like well they're not gonna sideline Kermit, and then as you said to the movie's credit, they do because it it has to. Like if they're gonna be true to the story, there's only one character, and and yep. Kermit and Kermit fits into it as best he can, and it's great. Like I just don't think. I think it's a weird thing to praise them for. It's like it's not really restraint. They're just telling the story, but it, it it just feels unlike what they would do these days, where you can't leave the most marketable character out of the movie for eighty right. percent of it. That seems crazy. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's so that yeah. It's all all credit to them. And like even all of the like the little care. I mean, it's perfect to have Statler and Waldorf be the Marley brothers. Obviously, Jacob Marley is the in the original story is the only there is only one Marley. It's perfect to even have like Sam, the Eagle, be uh, uh, <laughs> young, a- young, uh, young Scrooge's like tutor. Like that, that line where he says, it's the American way. And then someone <laughs> is like, uh, uh, I mean the British way. I mean, just like kills me. They, that's what I mean. Like they stick to the actual story, but then they take these little, like these little jaunts. And I, I, I guess I think that's best personified by Gonzo and Rizzo, who I, I think are actually the key to that this whole movie working. And Gonzo plays Charles Dickens in quotes. And Rizzo is just purely there for comic relief and is hilarious. Um, and uh, But one of the things I was just kind of struck by, again, having listened to the audiobook and having read the Chris- A Christmas Carol, is actually how many lines of dialogue Gonzo has as the narrator that are literally straight from the book. I mean, they, they don't change anything. Like, and that's one of the most amazing things when I kind of dawned on me this time around. So it was good fortuitous that I listened to the audiobook and watched this movie three times, but um, <laughs> yeah, it, it, I don't know. So I, I have nothing but good things to say about this. No, no, no nitpicking, no qualms. Yeah. It, it, uh, it threads the Muppet uh, uh, versus Christmas Carol maintaining the story needle perfectly. Uh, the, uh, a couple other examples. I, I think like uh, the whole Christmas party at F- uh, Fozzie Wigs Rubber yeah. Chicken Factory yep. is, is perfect in that regard because uh, <laughs> yeah. you have Fozzie Bear and then uh, uh, Animal playing the drums. You just can't control himself. Yep. And they uh, get Statler and Waldorf a chance to interact with Fozzie there, which is always yeah. even for like a brief yeah. second is always great. And I was like, yeah. yeah. Earlier, I don't know if you caught it, but Statler and Waldorf when they're haunting Scrooge, they tell him to leave comedy to the bears, which is just a great line. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry, Sam. I didn't mean to but, interrupt. But yeah, what I think it what what I think it does and why it makes um, this story really good for me um, is that like for this story is scary. Like it, yeah. it still creeps me out. Um, and part of that is down to um, part of that is down to like just probably watching it too early as a child or whatever. Um, but like the ghost of, of uh, Christmas future is, is super creepy, but like what the Muppets influence does is it in, introduces the right amount of levity yes. into the story 
so that like when uh, <laughs> when Stat or I don't know if it's Statler or Waldorf who like shows up on the door knocker, it's like it's and then they're just heckling him rather yeah. than really <laughs> scaring him. Yeah, yeah. It just it's so yeah. perfect. It's like pitch perfect, and it, and it just like cuts the creepiness um, in the right way. And it's just it's so perfect. It's it's like the Muppets is the perfect format for the Christmas Carol. Yeah, that, what you said is exactly why I think Gonzo and Rizzo are so key because they actually provide that ongoing source of levity throughout. Um, like even at the end when Gonzo is like, "Who did not die with Tiny Tim?" For some reason that made <laughs> yeah, me laugh. I left, that, was, that was the hardest I laughed the entire movie. <laughs> like, by <laughs> the way, that is an actual line in a Christmas Carol: "Who did not die?" I, I didn't but think the that way was he an... said it. Obviously, was like yes, played yeah, it up even more course. is ridiculous, right? <laughs> of course, of course, of course, yeah. But yeah. I think that's why Gonzo and Rizzo are so key because they are just that that constant source of levity throughout it. To, to yes, make a very scary story. Like I've let Anna, my three year old, watch this, and um, I obviously I wouldn't do it. It didn't have you know furry puppets in it, basically. So <clears throat> yeah. So I will say the only. The only note, and I agree with both of you guys. I loved this. I thought it was great. I wrote my notes. This is the sweetest, loveliest movie ever. The the fourth wall breaking, which we can talk about in a little bit, is just so well executed and never feels hammy or never feels like, eh, eh? Like, it, it all works when it happens, the levity and all that. But I will say one thing I noted is... You know, the songs, they're great songs. I didn't realize they're going to be so many, though I should because it's a Muppets movie, but I was pleasantly <laughs> caught off guard. But the the one thing I will say is there there are some platitudes in the lyrics to these songs that are that probably equal love, actually, in terms of lameness. Like, especially the tying in love, like, love feels like Christmas and stuff. Like, if that were in a worse movie or a dumber song, I think we would say that's shit or i don't like that or it's you know oh like come on like how lazy is that but i think i think to the where the movie does you know profit and succeed despite maybe touching on being lazy there or, or just you know or, or offering those sort of platitudes is it's so good around it and when they do use those songs and espouse those sentiments they've spent an hour charming the shit out of you and showing you how sweet it can be and how nice it is so it doesn't feel contrived it doesn't feel forced it doesn't come across as a platitude it comes across as a genuine outpouring of love and affection for the season and the people around the season and having an opportunity to maybe share that more than you normally would because of the season. So another reason why I think this is such a good Sam movie is it it has those traits that you love, Sam, all the things I just said, but it earns them too. It doesn't doesn't use them to use them. It is so infused with energy and happiness and joy that when it does dip into stuff that does feel a little, uh, it, it it's impossible to critique it that much. It's just it's, it's it, it it all makes sense and it all flows so well, and it's because of how just damn enjoyable the whole process is. I totally disagree about the music, but okay. But you don't think those platitudes are – you don't think saying love feels like Christmas is just – I don't know. It's I just don't think it's that far off from the shit love actually is trying to say. It's making – it's, it's you know, I, I don't know. It's it, To me, it is, it's not that much of a far cry. I think, I'm not saying the music is bad at all. I love the music. I just think you're, you're – it's it's, captive, it's it's espousing ideas that are not – that would be lazy in other contexts but work in the context of the Muppets. First of all, several of the songs are about – well, the first one's about how awful Scrooge is, so that doesn't espouse any platitudes. Uh, the next, One of the next ones is about from by the Marley Brothers where they drop 
a line that has avarice and greed in there. So uh, there's that. And then second of all, I just, well, I, I don't mean to like, I'm not pulling rank here, but like actually if you uh, go and read the book, uh, there's actually a lot of those sentiments are, they're not exp- expressed exactly like that, but um, they are expressed in that, in that kind of vein. Um, you know, I don't know, like, I don't know which, which songs uh, I'm thinking you have of in it mind. Feels like Christmas but... is the one I'm thinking of in particular. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't believe I'm going to be the moderating influence here. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, I, the, the last song is the weakest song, um, at least, at least as I see it, because the Scrooge song is incredible. Um, there goes Mr. Humbug or whatever. Yeah. Um, the one more sleep till Christmas song yeah. is also incredible. And I sing it to myself on Christmas Eve. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Marley and Marley song is, is just fantastic as well. And then the last one, it's just, is, you know, it's Michael Caine carrying the, the, the burden there. And like, I hear what you're saying, AJ, about like, you, you know, it, it, one of the commitments that Scrooge makes, and I think it's in the book, and, and also says, uh, is, is a line in the movie, which is that, like, I'll keep Christmas in my heart and try to, like, keep yeah. it in my heart throughout the year. Yeah. Right. And, yes. and that idea is what is, I think, expressed in the song. But it is, it does, it's the only piece of the movie that I was sort of like, uh, you know, do they need a wrap-up song led by Michael Caine here? I mean, well, just to counter your point, Michael Caine is reprising the song sung by the Ghost of Christmas Present, which I think is a lot. I I agree. Well, Michael Caine he even talks about it that in the interview I sent to you guys. He he can't sing, so there's also that. <laughs> he's not a very good singer. Um, but yeah, I, I guess what what you said though is exactly what I would argue, which is that the idea of keeping Christmas in your heart throughout the year, it, that's key to the, the transformation of Scrooge as a character. Like it's not enough for him to, you know, bring a Turkey to Bob Cratchit's house and then be done with being kind, you know? So, um, yeah, I don't know. No, I but, understand. Okay. And again, I, I don't mean to make it sound like I'm bes- besmirching the songs overall. I just noticed that, you know, as, as someone who just watched it for the first time and taking it, view, viewing that last song, like you said, Sam, objectively, I was like, I don't know. I I, I find it. I, I didn't. I wasn't as captivated by the others. Maybe just because it was not the best song. But again, very, very, very small nitpick in the grand scheme of things. It's it's a great movie. And Andrew, you're right. Like I I don't know the backstory of the Christmas Carol. Like I, I this is like I said. This is maybe the first time I've engaged with this story. You know, in a filmed or animated or whatever way in a while. I've never seen Scrooge. I'm sure I've seen some retelling of it back in the day, but I haven't seen it in a very long time. So it was the story was sort of new to me too, which was good because they because I knew from what you said, Andrew, they were very true to it. So I sort of kept an eye on that. And there were parts that I did clearly like think, wow, like that is not speaking down to your audience. That is not um, again not very many platitudes, not very many lame throwaways or comments about Christmas or toss-ups like felt very genuine felt like they were really adapting it with an honesty and an integrity behind it and assuming their audience would understand and get this classic story even if it was in you know even if there were some old-timey elements or some language the kids didn't totally get here and there it would they, they would get the gist of it for sure so I think that's very praiseworthy and not dumbing it down because I hate I think we all hate when people do that for kids movies and that was not something yeah. the Muppets did here at all yeah yeah. Well, the the Muppets, to their credit, pretty much never dumb anything down. I mean, I, I that's the other thing I was I wanted to kind of say, which is like to me, 
the Muppets are like perhaps the most, and I hate like overrated, underrated discussions, but I think they're like the most underrated like kids entertainment that there is. Um, Cause they're like, they're like very funny for adults as well. And um, like this movie is just kind of proof of that. And I think Sam, you talked about sort of threading the needle between a Muppets movie and a Christmas movie. And that's, what's so great about it. It's still a Muppets movie. It's, it's, it's still got all of those like moments that you sort of want from the Muppets. Um, and uh, yeah, I just, you know, I want more Muppets, more good Muppets movies. Well, that brings me to my uh, a question that was sort of nagging me: is that is this the best Muppets movie? I, I think it is, but um, yeah, I think it is. I'm probably not enough of a Muppets aficionado to say with any certainty. But it was pretty great. It was, you know, it's, again, we're, there's, we're saying very little negative about it at all. Like, I can't think of the other ones in such detail to, to remember if I critiqued them or not. But I don't recall them being as flawless as this. And it's, uh, it's, it's hard to say otherwise at this point. I mean, I really liked the 20, I think it was in 2011, the, the, I think it was just called The Muppets with Jason Siegel. I thought that one was really great. Um, I'd, I'd have to rewatch some of the older ones again. I haven't seen them in forever, like the Great Muppet Caper and stuff like that. But to me, it, yeah, I mean, I think it is. I think it's the best Muppets. It's certainly the one I I plan to revisit the most often. Um, yeah, obviously, there's a seasonal tie-in there, but um, sounds like you love Christmas a lot. <laughs> do know I'm, I'm about to take my first sip of Bailey's. So how's that for timing? It's <laughs> perfect. All right, I got I got some uh, some hot, some hot takes. Share your hot takes, Sam, please. Okay. Um, the uh, oh, okay. these are just moments that I love from the movie. You know, I do this. Um, uh, the penguin Christmas skating party. Is, yeah, it's just so awesome. Like those penguins are so cute, and uh, <laughs> and Gonzo and Rizzo like going going through, and and Kermit like being a figure skater is amazing. Also a part of the original story. Uh, penguins? No, the, not the penguins, but the skating, <laughs> the sliding on ice thing. Yeah, the, it, it talks about uh, there being ice outside where um, Scrooge's office is and, and Bob Cratchit sliding along it. So, And actually, if you go back and watch like the older ones, there's scenes, there's similar scenes, again, without penguins. But, but um, another great example of how they they muppetized uh, an actual scene from the from the story i love that verb that's great <laughs> yeah muppetized um i also so i you, you touched on this aj rizzo rizzo is so perfect he brings the like i it, it's so crazy to me like when we started this crazy adventure a year ago i was like a key thing about christmas movies is physical comedy and Rizzo just brings all of the physical comedy to the table to A Christmas Carol, which has no physical comedy. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, it, it's so amazing. He falls like, like, what, four times? And every single time is as funny as the one before. <laughs> uh, well, my favorite part is when he they go over the fence or the gate or whatever, and then he just walks through and Gonzo gives him like, <laughs> like the ultimate, like, you're an idiot stare. Um, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. 
uh, Anna loves the when he falls down the chimney onto the onto the goose that's rotating on a spit, and he goes, uh, "I landed on at least I landed somewhere soft and hot, 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 hot." Anna go has literally been going around our house the last few weeks and going hot, 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 and moving her um her feet up and down. So yeah, Rizzo is great. Also, the amount he eats is hilarious. Like he eats a wax fruit, like yes. <laughs> it's just, it's just really, yeah. He's still a rat. He's a rat, you know. Yeah, he's still a rat. Yeah. Yeah, they they embody their characteristics too, as as you know, animals, which I like. That's a nice touch. Yeah. Um, maybe my, I think my favorite like characters in this movie, our favorite underrated characters in this movie, are the rat workers. Yeah. In in uh, Bob Mar- or, uh, in Scrooge's office, they're so good. Um, when they cower and like return and like they put they put on the Hawaiian gear and they're dancing around yeah. like they're they're so happy. It's like little tiny lines like, "Oh, it was the frog's idea." Like horrible idea to take Christmas off. This is a frog's idea. Uh, it's just like so good. Uh, love them. What about what about Miss Piggy confusing her daughters? Uh, that part was hilarious too. Belinda and Bettina, and then she's she's like stuffing her face with chestnuts, which is also hilarious. <laughs> yeah, she can't help herself. They're they're literally living in abject poverty, yep. and she can't help but stuff her face with roasted chestnuts. Yep. Um, I have one other question. Big big question for me: Why is the ghost of Christmas past not a Muppet? Yeah, that's if that that if we're gonna if I was gonna pick a least favorite part of the film, it's just the physical embodiment of the ghost of Christmas past. I don't a, understand. It was a girl ghost, right? Isn't that really? Yeah, all it just but it kind of looks like creepy and weird. I don't know. Like the creepy ghost is supposed to be the gross ghost of Christmas future. Like it's basically supposed to be the Grim Reaper. But so I yeah, that's my only like I, I'm not even gonna call it a criticism, but a note. You know. Yeah. A note for Brian Henson 26 years from now. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know what else gets me about this this story of a Christmas carol is that like at the end of the day like Scrooge has still wasted his life. And that's where I you know like he's like thrown away love, he has no family and like I I just couldn't help thinking that like it's still it's a it's a you know it ties a bow on it at the end of it. But it's still like, as I reflect on the story, it's still kind of sad because it, literally his whole life is just is just wasted, and all he all he's doing is basically for the rest of his life, presumably, is playing catch up, and you or know, even providing... like even like in in the, especially in, I think the new Grinch made this clear too. Like, there's no guarantee that he'll even keep this going, you know, but. <laughs> But he's obviously been touched in a very profound way and has seen the error of his... And I think that's... I, I think the, the lack of certainty there and, and the, the open-endedness without even meaning to is is very honest and real. Like like you said, Sam, I think that's a great point. He has... He doesn't get to go back and fix his wrongs, but he has a chance now to right them in the future. And that's very realistic. Like, that's very... It's not uh, the happy ending overall, but I think it's a... It's not a Hollywood ending, necessarily. There's no... You know, it's not like in Back to the Future... Where Marty, his parents are now you know, <laughs> happy and successful, right. and like, right. yeah, he saved everything. Like, this is not that story. Like, everything is not better, but he's got a chance now to right some of those wrongs before he kicks the bucket. Like, that is that's an old timey storytelling dynamic, which I think is very appreciated. 
Yeah, and I well, I think you know I, that's that I, I agree wholeheartedly with that. One, one, two thoughts on that. One is that every well, not every Christmas story, but many many Christmas stories. Uh, even the Grinch and uh, oh, It's a Wonderful Life, which I know we all just watched, are like to a degree riffing off of this. This this is like the OG mm-hmm. Christmas story, right? So they're all riffing off of that idea, Sam, which is kind of where you started, which is like Christmas is about being a better version of yourself. And and at the end of this, Ebenezer Scrooge is a better version of himself, well, for whatever that's worth. Mm-hmm. Um, the but but. I think the second thing that strikes me about what you said, and I think like when you talk about this movie being scary, yes, there are ghosts and everything like that. The scariest moment for me or the, or the, the most chilling moment is when the Mar well, Jacob Marley or the Marley brothers, depending on which version version you're watching. Um, they're there in the chains that they've crafted in life, right. From their, all of their sins. Right. And they say to say to Scrooge, your chains are, were the same seven years ago and you've had seven years more to make them longer and and more intertwined that to me is the most chilling moment of like you you don't and that that is the moment where it's like you don't get that time back you don't you don't all you can do is be better going forward that's it that's Mm -hmm. it um which is a you know an important real adult message for for the holidays Mm. yeah I'm like, I'm reflecting on my life now. <laughs> <laughs> I think you did okay. You, you seem to espouse Christmas desires every moment. So. <laughs> yeah. Time to yeah, give some money to charities. You're yeah. not throwing orphans out of their house because they're, they're late on their payments or anything like that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. He just really, uh, I, I, the, other, the, the only other thing that I noticed is like, he really hates Christmas. Like, yeah. way more. Uh, like, I, 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 you know, like we've talked about how the Grinch is like somewhat derivative, derivative of this, right? Uh, and, a, and a lot of like the villains and the people waging war on Christmas. But like, he is just so vehement in his dis, disdain for for Christmas. And it's like, I, I, I was like taken, I know who Scrooge is, you know, I've watched this movie a bunch of times, but like, even when when he when he just says like some of the things, it's just really aggressive. Like when he says, "Every fool who goes about with Merry Christmas on their lips should be buried in pudding and have a stake of holly plunge through their heart," or something like that. <laughs> that kind of thing. That's very yeah. detailed. <laughs> yes. No. He's he's yeah. You're He's right. in it. You're right, like, though, because in, in, the, in the Grinch, as a comparison, the Grinch is, uh, as we've noted in our previous episode, is just up on a mountain in every version of the story to some extent, just watching over and, and furrowing his brow and being a jerk. Like, Scrooge is in control of people's lives, and he's toying with them and despising them and hating them. There's something considerably more evil about that than just a quiet overseer who is, you know, or who is ho-humming this whole idea. Like, Scrooge is intimately ruining people's Christmases, not just, you know, disliking them from afar. Yeah, like when he starts, when he's talking about how, uh, how Christmas season is harvest season for moneylenders. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, man. Anyway. Yeah. 
One thing I really liked, uh, and Andrew, you, you you can confirm this. It's probably from the story itself. But when Scrooge comes to Bob Cratchit's door, the way ends, and knows he has turned a corner, and knows he is nice, and yeah. realizes what he's gonna do, but still insists on ha- you know hamming it up a little bit with Bob and pretending like he's yep. still evil. Like he's really yeah. like he yells at him and is giving him a bunch of shit, and then goes, "Oh, just kidding, I'm nice now." <laughs> like, what a, like yeah. what a terrifying yeah. moment that must have been for Bob in in the reality of the story to being screamed yeah. at by his boss on Christmas and thinking his life's about to just basically end, and then whoops, hey, I've turned a corner overnight somehow in a way you couldn't possibly have imagined. <laughs> Here's a big turkey. <laughs> Here's <laughs> a giant turkey. That was a bonus Insane. And like, and like. Uh, the, the, it's it's amazing that they're like that he like brings the turkey over and then he invites everyone over to Bob Cratchit's house. I'm like, you have a giant house, Scrooge. Like, why can't you host Christmas? I like that. That's kind of a genuine moment. Like, maybe though he is nice, he maybe he's still a little. He's being nice in his own way, you know. Like he will, he will, uh, you know, do a great thing and double his salary and bring a big turkey. But he's still going to be a little overbearing and a little imposing and a little not self, not selfish, but just like assert his will because that's just the way he is. Like he can't help but assert his will. But at the same time, when it's in a super pleasant, nice way, you just have to go like, oh, that's Scrooge. Like he, he's he is sort of invading on our private space. But with all the big wins we're getting too, we can't call him out for that. That's ultimately yeah. very, very, very nice. I mean, he's extremely maladjusted socially, so I would just give him a couple days to kind of sort that all out, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah, as you said, Steve, take your wins, you know? He's not foreclosing on my house. Yeah. He spent, like, 40 years being a complete dick to everyone, so it's not like, you know, the transformation. It's going to take some learning. He has to be housebroken. You made a great point, though, Andrew, and and having not seen this story, I forgot all the like I said all the, the specific details, and it sort of shined a light to a certain extent on why the Jim Carrey Grinch gave us so much backstory. Because in this story, they give you the full backstory on why Scrooge ended up the way he is, and I, I'm sure that when they, you know. In, in redoing the Grinch Who Stole Christmas for the Ron Howard version, they probably were like, oh, you know, we'll just we'll dip even further back then. Like, it's part of the actual crux of this story we're aping in the first place. Like, why not just do a little more of that? But and I, I can't put my finger on exactly why the Grinch version was so distasteful, and this version makes so much sense. Maybe because they just spent actual time fleshing this out with the ghosts and with, you know, the whole, the whole presentation as opposed to just the movie cutting to a flashback and then cutting back to present day with no elegance or really, you know, reason to do that beyond it's what we're doing next. Well, I think one of the differences, though, is that the Grinch, the Grinch movie, kind of it kind of makes excuses for the Grinch for why he is the way he is. Where even though, even like a Christmas Carol, it does show you his past and alludes to the fact that you know he may have, you know, he may have had sort of like absentee parents or stuff, but it doesn't really like. It doesn't really actually give you much clarity, and in some ways, it's kind of like he's always been like that. Um, there's not like, I don't know. I feel like the Grinch tries to give you like a defining moment or a set of defining moments that make the Grinch the way he is, which is uh, knowing people is just also a reductive way of like looking at people. Like Scrooge kind of was the way he was, but he still felt in love as a young man, and then he, you know, he didn't. It didn't work out. So like, there's. He is the way he is, but then things have also happened to him that that sort of, you know, essentially served to sort of isolate him further. And 
you know, I, I, I think when you look at that character, it's ultimately a, it's ultimately a story about loneliness and walling yourself off from your fellow man too. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and the, the price you pay when that, when that happens. So, yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. It's like he, yeah, it, he has a default setting and then he makes choices uh, yeah. and it could have gone the other way, but with the Grinch, it's like a hackneyed version of uh, external events happening to him and people laughing at him because he shaved his uh, beard. <laughs> God. Uh, yeah. Let's not revisit uh, that anymore. Uh, don't bring me back there. I'm in a, I'm in a, I'm in a he's Gonzo. In a, yeah, Sam, you've got him. He's right on the cusp. We can't, yeah, yeah. we're, we're in a Gonzo and Rizzo, like Halo. I've got a shot of Bailey's down my gullet. <laughs> I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. Don't Seriously. bring me back there. But think about, think about, like, I think about that's my part. that's my wasted life. Those are my chains. Is watching the Jim Carrey Chris, Christmas Carol <laughs> or uh, uh, Grinch Stole Christmas. Yeah. yeah, it's part of the redemption narrative for all of us. We we suffered a little bit. We went through some tough times, and then now we're ending on as high note as we possibly can. So it's a very logical and reasonable progression that we've crafted here, Sam. I think you should be proud. Incidentally, there is a Jim Carrey Christmas Carol, if you guys recall. It was the Robert Zemeckis Uncanny Valley animated motion capture one where Jim Carrey plays Scrooge. Yeah, oh. I've watched that in the theaters. Don't don't oh. revisit. Please, Sam, if you're not, don't get any ideas for next year. I don't think anyone wants to. Let's you did you did ultimately a wonderful job in choosing this year. Like that yeah, sounds potentially hellish. Guys, next year, let's watch all of the Christmas carols. It'll be a four-month endeavor. This is true. I've seen a Flintstones Christmas carol and a Mr. Magoo Christmas carol, and they're not as good as this one. (laughs) Mr. Magoo. Not a feature-length one, though, right? Like a 22-minute version? It might be like a forty-five minute, but yeah, it's not—it's not a—it's not, not a full movie length. Oh my yeah. god, Sam! Don't make us watch all of those for one episode at least. At least spread them out a little bit. Well, I can't make any promises. Yeah, we got time. We have—we have three hundred sixty-five-ish days until we have to go down that well again. So. But I will say, Sam, again, you've, this has been, I think, you know, though we did stray a little bit from the war on Christmas theme that you so eloquently picked for us, I think we discussed the larger idea behind so many of these movies and the fact that it that they all stem from this one story overall. This is this is the big kahuna. This is the, this is the granddaddy. And I think ending on it, because it spawned so many, you know, children of a sort that that all that all took a took a beat from it here and there is a is in, incredibly appropriate as our final christmas movie of the year i agree it's a fantastic capstone <laughs> it did great well that about does it that is the end of christmas month that is the last of the holiday movies we are all set we have done it it was quite a journey we've seen so many movies i've turned a corner to a certain extent Andrew redeemed himself at the last possible moment with a game winner at the buzzer. It was it was a success for Sam. It was a success for all of us. And we hope it was a success for you. We hope we got you inspired about Christmas. We hope we got you watching and talking about some great movies and some bad ones. And we hope that there's, you know, a general sense of Christmas cheer around you and your loved ones. We hope you huddled up next to your iPod or whatever the hell you're listening to these days <laughs> as kids. Speakers. And you listen to three of us talk about movies like you're listening to FDR you know, give a presidential address in the 1930s. So fingers crossed. Or if you just listen on your headphones, that's fine too. We appreciate you going on the journey with us nonetheless. 
The In Real Deep podcast will be back in 2019, of course. We will be talking about the best movies of 2018. We'll be covering a wide swath of topics across the board. But again, thank you for joining us on this little bit of an adventure. Thank you, Sam, for coming back. It is always a pleasure. We love spending December with you, even if we are a little hesitant at the start. It always works out great. Pleasure is all on this side of the, com- uh, of the computer. Although I am, uh, I, I am uh, crying in my Santa hat right now because this is over. <laughs> there may be a bonus down the line. We might take a little tiny break for the holidays, but we may return for one more final hurrah. But this is the last of the scheduled hurrahs. So, and, it, and what a schedule it was, Andrew. Thank you as always. I'm so glad that your heart grew a couple sizes, maybe 1.5 sizes today. That's always a treat. Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas from Andrew. Merry Christmas from Sam. Merry Christmas from me, Steve Semino, and from the In Real Deep podcast. Enjoy your holiday. Have a great couple days. Enjoy your time off. Hopefully you get some. And we'll be seeing you further on up the road. Adios. Ooh, very soon will come my way. Santa very soon will come.